So I think one way to talk about Midwest is just focusing on Rhyme Slayer's records, um, for you don't know, uh, based out of St. Paul, uh, or the Twin Cities in general, run by Slug from Atmosphere. This is a record label that's really important, and I think has a lot for emo kids to latch onto because most of their artists are sad, political, very introspective, very DIY. It's an in, it's an independent label, um, but it's the home to Atmosphere, POS, Astronautilus, Aesop Rock, Idea and Abilities, Brother Ali, and a- there's tons of Aesop's Aesop's on Def Jux. He he was on Rhyme Sayers for a little bit. Oh, he was? Okay. Yeah. Cause mostly I only hear him like talked about like in like the Def Jux LP legacy. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but then there's like tons of deep cut stuff on there too. Do y'all have experiences or favorites from Rhyme Sayers? Yeah. So the thing about Rhyme Sayers is that in context, it was, it, it was where like underground hip hop in the Midwest really found itself. Um, because prior to this point, it was a lot of just like, oh, these are like the freestyle kids who like go to Scribble Jam. Like it was very much like uh, like kids who like really prospered in like a live atmosphere, but people couldn't like find their records because the mixtapes were distributed like locally in cities. But in the late 90s, you know, on the West Coast, you had Anticon. And then on the East Coast, you had like Def Jux and Raucous. But Rhyme Sayers like kind of sprouted out as like, this oasis of you know lyricists who were taking like more of like a an introspective approach and like you said like more of like a political diy approach and i mean when i started getting into it i was like oh shit this is like for me so i think emo kids would find a lot to like in like uh like the first like five or so atmosphere records, I think after Seven's Travels, like um, or not Seven's Travels, uh, when Life Gives You Lemons, um, mm-hmm. I think he starts to like wear out his welcome. Like his flow becomes a lot more like corny. But that that early shit where he's talking about like, oh, I love my car because I can fill it up with twelve dollars. Like that's relatable. Like Slug is like a really relatable lyricist because he's just kind of like a fuck up and. Idea and Abilities is also another big one, but specifically uh, Ideas record by The Throat. I think the Idea and Abilities record, the records that came out before that, um, it's a lot of like that rapidy rap shit, you know, like spiritual lyrical miracle. You know, he has like a whole song about like Plato and the cave, which is like <laughs> really like inaccessible and comes off kind of dumb now. But by The Throat, um, Abilities is like building these soundscapes that you know, take from hip hop, um, but drench like all this alternative rock influence and melody over it. And he's using his turntable, like instead of like traditional scratching, he's like almost like harsh noise, um, like incorporating it into this melody. Mm-hmm. And that juxtaposition is really cool. And idea stops doing that. Like, uh, I'm the best thing to ever happen to hip hop type shit with his lyrics and starts doing like introspective poetry and, time flies when you have a gun is about like owning a gun and feeling that power and then feeling that power like consume you and eventually like throwing it away and that's like a really smartly constructed track um obviously like burn fetish or spin cycle or hay fever are all like well constructed like relatable hip-hop songs 
I think I think that's a big reason why rhyme set like the emo to rhyme sayers pipeline is still like very much a thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And also just to um, interject, but I I um I I don't really have many artists in that vein that I listen to, but Pos is one of my personal favorites. Mm, there he he you know w- one of the things that I can say about artists in that vein is that they have this really interesting ability to sort of make you know if you were to just read the lyrics without the music it it looks like straight poetry it looks like you know obviously the lyricism in hip hop a lot of times can be can be poetic but this you know it looks it looks very refined it looks extremely you know thought out very meticulously um, constructed and then when you hear for example someone like POS actually create like these soundscapes um, to go with the the subject matter that he's talking about it makes it such such a powerful sort of experience to listen to um, and I think that that's a, that's a pretty beautiful thing that artists in that vein are able to do and I I am guilty of not being more into it than I should be because I and like I said I'm always discovering so I like I don't feel any shame in admitting that I don't know many people in that vein besides maybe POS and Aesop I I definitely am making it a a goal to listen to them more because it, it but it also is like sort of like a little bit like emotionally taxing because there are these really heavy subject matters that are being talked about these really emotionally gut-wrenching deliveries that are happening with just these like beautifully constructed just lyricism that is so unconventional too because it's so not it's not your you know conventional hip-hop lyrics you know they're not um I, i know for a fact that pos um doesn't say nigga like at all um, he says it in one song, and I think it was because um, another person actually wrote the chorus. It's it's just another way of approaching hip hop that is so innovative. That is, you know, just something I love about hip hop. It's just there's so many ways to innovate. There's so many ways to do something different with it. And my my most favorite thing about artists in that vein is just their their ability to construct just. A, a complete scene, a complete emotion um, through just these straight, complex, lyr- like complex lyricism and storytelling and soundscapes. And I, I think it's really interesting. And people who want to listen to hip hop, like let's say for more of like a like a in-depth experience and you really want to listen to it, listen to the, to the words and get more into, you know, the, what the artist's idea is of building this entire environment around, um, the poetry. Um, I think that that's a, that's a pretty, a pretty cool way of approaching hip hop that I haven't seen it done very commonly. Yeah. POS and the Doomtree Posse are like really good places to start. Mm -hmm. Um, Music for shoplifting is still like a playlist regular. Like that song is oh, so yeah. good. Yeah. Um, Rhyme Sayers also. It seemed like they always had at least like one artist that was on Warp Tour as well. Like uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think there's crossover there. Um, I do want to correct that Astronautilus is not on Rhyme Sayers. He was on Side One Dummy this whole time. 
but I know he was the <laughs> one that was always definitely just always touring with Rhyme Slayers. But uh, he was on Warp Tour. POS was on Warp Tour because I remember I'd show my friends POS and they'd be like, "Oh, that's the guy that stood on a box in the middle of the crowd at Warp Tour." Um, Holy shit! Yeah, and then uh, that rapper Greaves was on Warp Tour a bunch too. So. Rhyme Slayers always kind of align yeah. themselves with the like-minded of like DIY and punk and stuff. Yeah, Grease is from the Pacific Northwest, but he just loved atmosphere so much that he like grifted his way onto onto Rhyme Sayers, which is dope. Yeah, um, that's sick. Yeah, Rhyme Sayers, I think, was kind of like the blueprint for the like gym class heroes <laughs> in a way, <laughs> right? Uh, um, one, one, does, one. That, does anyone have like experiences with gym class heroes just because like oh yeah yeah for <laughs> sure. i listened to that like the the one song that i posted on on the twitter like the, it just uh it was like really cringy but really funny at the same time um i mean ellie but... what were you downloading in 2004 that you didn't download that song see gym class heroes just like was not on me or my friends' radar because, no. like, if we wanted, like, introspective hip-hop, we went to Rhyme Sayers or Def Jacks. Um, or if we wanted pop-punk, we just listened to pop-punk. Like... Yo, like, like, being, like, an evil kid of color in the city, you bet your ass I knew about gym class heroes. <laughs> Hell yeah. I do think Travi McCoy would make a great guest because <laughs> like listen to them like just a, a tiny bit at the time like i said like that wasn't like a thing that me or my friend group was into but in retrospect they're they're very much like cut from like the atmosphere sort of cloth and i think it's just like uh it's really interesting that they were like the hip-hop act that the emo pop scene like decided to co-sign but it makes perfect sense, like, based on just, like, lyrical concerns and their whole attitude. And at least they weren't, like, fucking Family Force 5, you know, <laughs> or Hollywood Undead. Oh, uh, like, Travi's a much better lyricist than either of those. But I, I would not be surprised if, like, a lot of people's entry points into both emo and hip-hop was gym class heroes. Like, they were very big for their time. But it was, like, oh, such yeah. a... It was, it, they were gone so quickly, though. So sad. I don't think that's true. They cuz I I I googled them a while back. They had like the 06 record that was really big and then they had another one in 2011 that had fucking Adam Levine from Maroon 5 doing like the hook. What? And well, yeah, I thought yeah, that and that's their most played song on Spotify. I thought that was like a feature of Travi McCoy on a Maroon no, 5 song. A, no, it was on a fucking um Really? It was on a payphone album. No. <laughs> Wait, so we're not even... No, I'm not. Oh. I'm not. I'm going to their Spotify right now. This is great. This is exactly what I wanted this episode to be. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's fucking hilarious. But also, 2011 was nine years ago. Oh, shit. Oh, no. <laughs> no, it's not. 2011 was two years ago. Shut up. <laughs> it, yeah, it was, stere it was Stereo Hearts featuring Adam Levine. And it's got 367 million Spotify plays. Their most plays on Spotify by like 250 million. Damn. Damn. It's also the most recent album that they've done, though. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they, they're, they're kind of 
I'm not there anymore. <laughs> All right, let's let's move on. Yeah, uh, I need to get off the gym class heroes Wikipedia. <laughs> All right, so next up, we should just talk about sad hip hop and or emo trap if we want to. I think we touched on this, but yeah, like hip hop has always been sad, like suicidal thoughts by Biggie. And like, I think there's just like a ton of open talk about like suicide and trauma um, or like, like PTSD psychosis, like mind playing tricks on me by ghetto yeah, boys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think what's known as like sad hip hop currently is the stuff that's like, like not quite emo trap, like XXX and juice world. Like even like 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 future is super sad stuff, and it, like I think it's very very cool how many different ways hip hop artists find a way to emote like through their production and not just lyrics like eight oh eights and heartbreak and yay, but like this future stuff is just like drenched in all these like just like bass and just really just like cold depressive stuff and yeah. I think like the the newest wave of emo trap um, is like the stuff that's like they're not really rapping they're like auto tune singing and the only thing that like differentiates the production from like an emo song is the fact that it's like 808s instead of acoustic drums. Yep. Um, that's stuff literally like, it. <laughs> yeah, like Little Loa, Little Lotus, or like Gucci High Waters, you know. Who, yeah. by the way, Gucci High Waters got signed by fucking Epitaph. I think we talked about that like a little while ago, but like I still think that that just means that like this shit is like here to stay. Definitely. Yeah. So pretty much like the like emo. My thought was pretty much yeah. Like hip hop is it, like it has inherently sad aspects to it. If you want to talk about people like Lil Peep. Or, like, if you want to talk about people in that vein, like, you hit the nail on the head. Like, it's literally just these, like, emo riffs with 808s instead of actual drums. And, uh, like, I think that at that point, like, it's, it's like, is it hip-hop? Is it really, like, it's sort of like a, I would say it's a bit more of a fusion than anything. Um, mm. Just because, you know... I don't know. I think that it's really interesting um, the way that it sort of like evolved into um, just there. there's like the typical cliches that you could tell, like, you know, like um, fucking sad beats to listen to while you're studying and chilling and shit <laughs> like that. <laughs> and um, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, like these white kids are really into it. So, um, 